Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 56. The apostles gathered round Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces, 
they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just pray as we begin to look at this passage. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd, you'd work in our hearts as we look at this passage. We pray, Father, that you would help us by your Spirit to recognize Jesus as we read it, to recognize him, and we pray, Lord, that you would glorify yourself in our lives, even as you glorified yourself by these miracles. So we pray that you'd work in us by your Spirit, Lord, in Jesus' name, and for his glory. Amen. I wonder if anyone has ever given you a really impressive and stunning business card. Um, I was looking through the internet, um, and some, some top tips for the perfect business card are that it should be clear. It should say clearly who you are and what your job is. Um, but it should also be memorable. It should be the kind of business card that you give to somebody, and they say, wow, that's interesting. It should be like a, a, something a visual representation of who you are and what you're about so that people can look at it and say, ah, I understand. And Jesus, in these two miracles, is giving us a business card. Um, he's showing us who he is and he's showing us what he's about, what his mission is. He's showing us who he is and why he came. And that fits in with the context here in Mark chapter 6. And the whole of Mark chapter 6 is about who is this, who is this Jesus of Nazareth? Um, in the first part, he's rejected by the people in his hometown. Um, they don't believe he is the Messiah. Then later, um, we hear, as the disciples go out and spread the news about Jesus, everyone is asking this question. Who is Jesus? Who is he? Is he one of the prophets? Um, is he Elijah? We have the passage of Herod, where Herod thinks he's John the Baptist, risen from the dead. And the question remains, who is this Jesus of Nazareth? And then Mark puts in these two stunning miracles. And they're like a business card. Jesus saying, this is who I am. This is who I am, and this is why I have come. So if that's what the miracles are about, who Jesus is and why he's come, then it's important that we read them carefully. Read them carefully to understand them, because we won't understand our place and the, the proper response to Jesus unless we understand who Jesus really is and why he's come. So I'd like to look at this passage uh, under three headings. Jesus' identity, who he is. Jesus' mission, why he's come. And lastly, Jesus' call on our lives. Um, what is our response? So firstly, Jesus' identity. Well, even on a quick reading of this passage, it becomes clear that Jesus is a man of immense compassion. Um, both of the miracles, the feeding of the 5,000 and the walking on water, both of them have this central part where Jesus sees people and has compassion on them. Um, so the first miracle, the miracle of the five, feeding of the 5,000, begins with this introductory section from, chap from verses 30 to 33, which set the scene. The apostles have come back from their mission, um, and Jesus says, come, let's take some time out. You need a rest. And they take a boat to the other side. And what happens when they get there? Well, Jesus has become so popular that the crowds rush, rush to see him, rush to hear him. 
Um, he's like a celebrity today. Um, and you can imagine what a celebrity might have done, or what a celebrity might do today when the crowds rush around them. Maybe they would bask in the limelight of um, being so popular and famous. Or maybe they would tell the people to get away and um, that they need some time out. But look what Jesus does in verse 34. It says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus sees this crowd that's come and he has compassion on them. And he presents himself like a good shepherd to love them and to care for them. And the same structure seems to happen in the second miracle where Jesus walks on the water. Again, there's an introductory passage, um, verses 45 to 47, which set the scene. And Jesus sends his disciples out onto the lake in the boat and while he himself goes up the mo a mountain to pray. Um, it's one of the three big occasions in Mark's gospel where Jesus prays, um, emphasizing the importance of prayer in our lives. Um, so the scene is set. Jesus is up the mountain. The disciples are on the lake. And what happens? In the middle of the night, as Jesus has been praying, in verse 48, Jesus sees them again. It says... He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Again, Jesus sees his sheep and has compassion on them. And that's a great comfort for us in our lives. I may not know what you're going through, but Jesus certainly does. Jesus sees our lives, sees everything about us. And it's an amazing comfort, that simple fact that he has compassion on us. But not only that, even a quick reading shows us that Jesus is a man of immense power and authority um, in these miracles. Um, as he sees the crowd, what does he do? I wonder what you would do if you were in crowded Corn Market Street on a Saturday afternoon. Um, well, what Jesus does with this vast crowd is he teaches them. He teaches them for a, a many things, it says. No doubt he would have been teaching them about his kingdom and about their need to repent and trust in him. He taught them with authority. And not only that, he does a beautiful and complete miracle. Um, the disciples uh, tell, tell Jesus to dismiss the crowd so that they can get something to eat at their homes. But Jesus, Jesus has other plans. Um, Jesus takes the food, he blesses it, gives thanks for it, breaks it, hands it out to his disciples, and he feeds the 5,000 people with it. And he doesn't just tide them over until they can get to a restaurant or get somewhere where they can get some food. It says in verse um, 42, they all ate and were satisfied. It was a complete miracle. They, they all ate and were fully satisfied. And not only that, but there were leftovers, and 12 basketfuls. And again, in the walking on the water, it's a complete miracle. Jesus shows his amazing authority and power. Um, if you turn on the news um, at the moment, you can see the tragic and powerful effects of water. And the waters in Australia and in Pakistan and in Brazil and Sri Lanka. Um, but, but look what Jesus does here. He walks on the waters as if they're a defeated enemy. He walks on the waters as if they are dry land. And he gets in the boat 
and the wind dies down, it's an amazing miracle, showing that our Lord is a fully capable good shepherd. He can look after his sheep. But that's not all that these miracles are about. There's much more to them than that. In the, in the big picture of the Bible, Jesus, by doing these two miracles, is, uh, is claiming to be the Messiah, is claiming to be the long-awaited savior of God's people. These miracles of, of making a way through the sea and feeding the people in the desert, of course, they um, remind us of the great miracles of the Old Testament, the two great miracles of, of, of God's work in the Exodus, when the Lord took his people out of Egypt, brought them through the Red Sea, and fed them in the desert. And these are the two great miracles that are celebrated throughout the Old Testament. If you read the Psalms, it's full of these two miracles. Um, the manna itself was kept in the Ark of the Covenant, um, beneath the very throne of God among the seraphim. This was, these were important miracles. Um, in the Old Testament. And we see in the rest of the Old Testament, against the backdrop of failed kings, of kings who disobey God, of kings who fail to be good shepherds, a promise emerges that one day God will send a true good shepherd, a final king, a great king who would truly obey God, the great Messiah who would save God's people would save them just as God had saved, um, saved his people out of Egypt, this new Messiah would, would save his people in an, in an amazing second exodus and save his people to a heavenly glory, a heavenly savior come to save them to heavenly glory. So throughout the Old Testament, there is this, um, this expectation when is the Messiah coming to save us from all our enemies? When is the Messiah coming to take us to God's special place? And Jesus, with these two miracles, these two miracles that remind us of the Exodus, he is showing us a business card and saying, you are waiting for the Messiah who will come to do the, the great Exodus and save God's people? This is my business card. This is what I'm about. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. You need look no further. I have finally come. This is why there are all so many references in this passage to the Exodus itself. And three times in the passage it's mentioned that he feeds the 5,000 in the desert. And in verse 31, Jesus says, come away to a desert place. In verse 32, they go away to a desert place, a solitary place. And in verse 35, the disciples remind us one more time Send the people away. We're in a desert place here. So the passage is trying to tell us, trying to remind us of the Exodus. And also, in the walking on the water, again, there are Exodus references. As Jesus walks and, and seeks to pass by the disciples, um, it's a reference to, to God showing his glory to Moses. Um, in Exodus um, 33, the Lord says, I will make my glory pass by you. Jesus is the glory of God on those waters. And also he says, do not be afraid, it is I. Or more literally, I am. Jesus is alluding to Exodus 3, the very name of God. Saying, do not be afraid, I am. He is the divine Messiah. As we look at these miracles, we should gaze in awe that the divine Messiah has finally come.
the Son of God, to save us. So if that's Jesus' identity as he reveals it in these miracles, what is his mission? Well, the miracles prepare us for the fact that Jesus has come to feed us, that Jesus has come to make a way for us where there is no other way. Of course, he hasn't come to feed us with literal food and to take us through literal waters. Later on in Mark, so we haven't got there yet, but later on in Mark, Jesus will make his mission very clear. In chapters 8, 9, and 10, he will say, I have come to be spat upon, I have come to be beaten, I have come to be rejected, and I have come to be killed. And then after three days, to rise again in glory. The Lord has come to give his life as a ransom for many, and that is the way he will save us. That is the way he will do his great exodus, saving his people, bringing them out of sin and taking them to heavenly glory. The food that the Lord Jesus feeds us with is the food of his sacrifice, forgiveness and righteousness in him. And the waters that he leads us through are the waters of judgment, of God's judgment against our sin, the waters of hell and the power of the devil. Jesus can now lead us through them Because he died and rose again, he can lead us through them as as if they were a defeated enemy. And he can lead us to eternal glory. This is Jesus' own interpretation of his miracle. Um, in, in um, In John, Jesus makes explicit what what he is saying in Mark. Um, So in John chapter 6, again, straight after these two miracles, the feeding of the 5,000 and the walking on water, Jesus says these words to explain them. And it's John chapter 6, verse 47. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is a bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. In these miracles, we are also to gaze in awe as they point us to the great feeding that the Lord Jesus will do as he sacrifices himself for us, as he humbles us and dies. These these miracles point us to the great way that the Lord Jesus will make for us by his sacrifice. And we are to gaze in awe at him. And lastly, if that's that's Jesus' mission, the mission of the great Christ who's come to save us, then how do we fit into this? The miracles also help us in that and to see how we fit in. Of course, our job is to to bow down in worship and praise him and to recognize him, just like, unlike the disciples. So if you look in verse 49, Jesus appears to them walking on the water in his glory. Um, But the disciples do not recognize him. They do not recognize their savior coming to them because their hearts are hard. They do not recognize the savior 
Lord Jesus, we pray that you would, you would soften our hearts, that we might recognize our Savior and might find true peace and joy in him. So our calling is to recognize the Savior, to feed on him, to recognize that he is the, the Lord of glory who sacrificed himself for us. But the, the, the miracles also call us to recognize him as the Savior of our friends as well. Just look at what the people in Gennesaret do. In verse 53, as soon as they see Jesus, as soon as they recognize Jesus, they run to get their friends and to bring them um, to Jesus that he might heal them. They run with a passion, confident that Jesus can heal them. And we too are to share that confidence. Um, as a Christian, our business card um, now is, is, is not about feeding ourselves with reputation, with um, degrees, with whatever the world, whatever we might um, aspire to. It's not about feeding ourselves and becoming something ourselves, but it's about being a servant, about feeding others, about sharing the Lord Jesus Christ with others. Um, do we, are we people that feed others or are we feeding ourselves? Are we people that feed our family? Are we feeding our, um, our friends with the gospel? Are we sharing it with them? Are we sharing this wonderful saviour who has died and risen again with others? We can be confident that, um, and we can pray to the Lord, soften their hearts too, Lord. And we can be confident that this great saviour, if someone will just reach out his hands and touch the, touch the edge of his garment, as it says here, just the smallest prayer of faith, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Lord Jesus, change me. We can be confident that this Savior will fully save um, because he is the Christ. He is the good shepherd. That's exactly what his business card says. That's what he came to do. So the miracles show Jesus to be the Christ, the good shepherd, the long-awaited Savior. They point to his, his, his saving us by his sacrifice, feeding us through his sacrifice and making a way for us and they call us to feed on him, to trust in him as our saviour, to recognise him and to share him with others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're sorry for the, the times when we haven't recognised Jesus. We pray that you'd soften our hearts, Lord, that we may truly recognise him today. We might truly trust in him and feed on him as our joy and our peace, and that you would make us bold and confident in sharing him. Amen.